What's up, guys? It is the Blue Blood, and I'm so excited. It's just me today, but I'm so excited to announce a new thing that we are doing for the Blue Bloods called the Two Minute Drill. This is episode one of the Two Minute Drill. It's going to be released five days a week, guys, every single morning. 8 a.m. The two-minute drill will be out on all podcast streaming platforms and our YouTube channel for the video version that you're seeing here. You know, I am so excited to announce this, man. This is just our supplement to get all the college football news out there to you guys that are coming out day in and day out. It's to keep up with all the storylines while we're doing our ACC in 28 days theme, our Big Ten in 31 days theme that's coming out next month. It, this is to just to get you all the most college football content that we could get out for you guys. So I appreciate you joining me. Sometimes it'll be just me. Sometimes it'll be me and Brandon. Sometimes it'll be just Brandon. But I rest assured there will be a Blue Bloods episode five days a week on top of what we already do. So why don't we go ahead and kick it off with the biggest storyline that I think we that has come out in the offseason, man. UCF tabs Gus Malzahn as their guy, their new head coach. Josh Hupel leaves for Tennessee, I believe it was a few weeks ago, but the UCF, you know, Black Knights dipped back into the SEC to find their guy. This was Gus Malzahn, who was just recently fired from Auburn after an eight-year run there. As you can see, Malzahn finished with a 68-35 and record with the Tigers, racked in a $21.4 million buyout from that. Dudes will be raking in it for some time. He gets a five-year, $11.5 million contract from UCF. Not sure the buyout options there, but I'm assuming he probably won't need it, man. Let's get into this. You know, Terry Mosier, um, the AD at, UC- at UCF, was also the AD at Arkansas State when Gus Malzahn originally left, left Auburn, the Auburn uh, offensive coordinator job, to head to Arkansas State to kind of get his feet wet in the head coaching search. He only lasts a year at Arkansas State, winds up as Auburn, at Auburn replacing Gene Chizik, who was his boss technically when he was the offensive coordinator with Cam. Newton and all those guys and I want to start off by saying you know y'all can see the Auburn jerseys in the back in the background everyone knows that I'm a huge Auburn fan I really really like this hire for UCF I know I was critical about Malzahn and what he was doing in Auburn but I feel like the expectations and the environment surrounding Auburn is a lot different than it is at UCF. They, this is probably the highest quality coach I would say that UCF has had in the history of his, of his program. No disrespect to anyone. I know the immediate thought is, is to go back to Scott Frost is, you know, you look at Josh Hupel and what he's done, but this Gus Malzahn has competed for national championships. Gus Malzahn has top what 10 recruiting classes every single year so I think that brings out a whole new type of I guess expectation the whole new level of coach for this program you know here's some reasons I like it the first one Malzahn can recruit the state of Florida better than just about anybody. He already has got his feet wet there with Auburn. That's one of Auburn's, you know, pipeline states. You, if, if you're coaching the Auburn, you have to recruit Georgia, Alabama, of course, but Florida is always right there. You look at some of the recruits he's gotten, Jeff Holland, an, intri- an integral part of that defensive line in 2017 that almost got Auburn to the playoffs. Ryan Davis, 
one of the leading wide receivers in Auburn history, Javaris Davis, just left for the NFL you know, a few years ago. Eli Stove just left Auburn this year. He is a stud. I think he's coming back for his sixth year. And then how about Carlton Davis, who we just saw play an intricate role in the defense that, you know, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers used to shut down Patrick Mahomes in the Super Bowl. You're looking at all this type of talent that you're getting out of the state of Florida while Malzahn was just at Auburn. What's going to happen when you don't have to convince those kids to go out of state? You now can convince them to stay in state. And say, listen, we don't have to go all the way up into, I guess I would say the middle of Alabama, almost Georgia, um, in terms of Auburn. So let me keep you in the state. We're going to stay in Orlando. Come play for me. He has a proven track record. He doesn't have to prove anything to recruits. Yes, he got let go from Auburn, but the standards when you're, when you're facing Nick Saban year in and year out, that's a whole, whole different story there. And he has strong ties in Georgia and Alabama too, in terms of recruiting because of where he was recruiting at Auburn. So he can walk into those living rooms. He has connections with those high school coaches. And I think it gives him kind of a step ahead as someone like Scott Frost or even Josh Hupel had when they took over for UCF. And, you know, also everyone's heard the stories. The boosters at Auburn can be brutal. They can be demanding. They want you to follow their every wish. And I don't think he's going to run into that at UCF. He has a great relationship with the AD. He went through an AD change at Auburn. He, I'm, assu- I'm assuming the booster presence at UCF is not the same as it is at Auburn. So I think that problem is going to be minimized at, at least. And then guess what? His his proven rival, his in-state rival is not Nick Saban in Alabama. And even if you want to, you know, expand, let's look at the state, Florida. That's going to be your biggest competition. They're going to New Year's Six Bowls. They're compete they went to the SEC Championship last year. But outside of that, it's a major fall off. USF is not the same team. South Florida, they have been I I would say abysmal um almost pathetic at best at times. Then you look at Miami. They're on the come up. They were a, uh, you know, top 10 team at times this year, but else, I mean, really and truly have they taken that next step to be a national contender is to be seen. Charleston Rambo is a great pickup at wide receiver. De'Aaron King comes back for another year. That's huge. Then you look around Florida state. I mean, say what you want about Florida state. They, aren't the team they once were. And I think UCF right now is a better program than Florida State, as strong of a statement as that is. And then, you know, not competing with Nick Saban, man. I mean, regardless of how good Florida, Florida State, uh, USF ever gets, Miami, are they ever going to be Nick Saban, Alabama? Or is that fan base going to expect you to beat those programs year in and year out? Are they always on your schedule? USF maybe, but – you're a better program than them right now. That's t- to me, man, that, that that's priceless. And I think that's, you know, some of the reasons that I really like this hire and, you know, a reporter asked Malzahn today in his introductory press conference, you know, breaking this news too. He asked Malzahn if he was ready for the pressure. Did he understand or know the type of pressure he's going to be walking into at UCF? I, 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 this blew my mind. I, I've never seen anything. I, I, this would be the, if you gave me a list of questions to pick from that was going to be asked at the introductory press conference of Gus Malzahn at UCF, this probably would have been the last choice because this guy, this is a guy that just spent eight years in a pressure cooker called Auburn, you know, Auburn University and had to face Saban 
Kirby Smart, Georgia, LSU, Alabama, a year in and year out. And there was national championship, national championship expectations every single year for this guy. He went to a national championship his first year, guys. This is a coach that stepped into a three and nine program at Auburn at the time and took them all the way to the national championship and was one play away from winning that national championship. Had the lead up until 30 seconds left in that game. So that uh, was an insane question. Malzahn, regardless of the pressure, is ready and willing to take it on, I would say. And, you know, I give this, if I had to give this a grade, you know, me and Brandon, he's not here right now, but we always give these head coaching searches a grade. He always gets on to me for my scale. But listen, if UCF, let's, let's take the name off of it. Let's let's not say, you know, Gus Malzahn. Let's, let's not say anything like that. Let's say you get a coach who has won an SEC championship, has was 30 seconds away from a national title, what, went to another SEC championship as the number two ranked team in the country in the playoffs right behind Clemson in 2017, beat Alabama multiple times when they were at the peak of their dominance. I think UCF is signing that dotted line 11 times out of 10. You, you can take it one extra. I mean, this is a grand slam hire for UCF, in my opinion, because of the stature of the coach. And this is the last one I want to bring up here. I'm already going over. I've dedicated 10. I was supposed to be a 20 minute episode, but we're already here at the 10 minute mark. But, you know, Malzahn consistently won at Auburn with a talent deficit. What I mean by that is, yeah, he he had better talent than Mississippi State, you know, Arkansas, Ole Miss, whatever. But he usually more than not beat those teams. But he was beating LSU, Georgia, Alabama, you know, maybe not every single year, you know, or every other year, but he was beating them enough when he always was at a talent deficit. Auburn didn't have the same type of talent that Alabama had. There was, there's never been a year Auburn went into a game with Alabama under, under Gus Malzahn while they, while Alabama was under Nick Saban that you looked at those rosters and said Auburn had the better team because there's five stars that aren't even on the travel squad for Alabama. And you look at Georgia and what Kirby Smart did when Gus Malzahn was there. And then even when you don't have Kirby Smart, you had Mark Rick, who's one of the most successful head coaches of all time at that program. So I think if you have a coach that can win with a talent deficit, what is he going to do with UCF where you're going to have the talent, you know, advantage in almost every single game you play, you know, outside of, you know, when you play Cincinnati and maybe Memphis, you should have the better team going into that game on paper. So Malzahn has been able to rally the troops, has been able to get his players worked up and win games that, you know, you thought maybe he wasn't supposed to. So I really, really think that Gus Malzahn is an A-plus Grand Slam hire for, you know, UCF. And the one thing I have to say is he has to be able to show, he has to have the ability to recruit positions of need before they become dire. You look at Auburn's offensive line situation. 2013, they had the number two pick in the NFL draft um, in Greg Robinson at left tackle. That offensive line was one of the most experienced in the country. They were arguably the best offensive line in the country, and they went to a national championship. 
2014, they still had Reese Dismukes, two-time Riveting Award finalist, and they had they had Alex Kozan at guard. I mean, they had Braden Smith at guard, who's now a multi-year starter for the Indianapolis Colts. There was so much talent, and then after Calvin Ashley, five-star, who ended up not working out, transferring to Florida, I believe it was A and M, it just kind of fell off. He Brian Harson landed, you know, new Auburn head coach Brian Harson landed a four-star tackle this this past recruiting class, and it was the first high school offensive tackle Auburn had signed since 2017. That can't fly. You have to be able to land offensive linemen and defensive linemen. Those are two, you've got to win the line of scrimmage. And I think Malzahn's offense is going to fit a lot better in the AAC. You know. You have Marcus Freeman at Cincinnati leaving, but outside of him, I mean, are there any high-level defensive coordinators that you were just terrified of? Maybe Tulsa. Tulsa had a great defense, but now, I mean, they're they're losing some of their best players on that defense. But I think Malzahn's offense is going to experience a revitalization. I look at this hire a lot like Florida Atlantic when they hired Lane Kiffin. You know Gus Malzahn is, not, is going to be in it for maybe a few years. Sit back on the buyout. He'll probably stay for those five years, but – there's going to be an SEC school, a Big Ten school, somebody calling Gus Malzahn, a Big 12 school. Like, what's going to happen if Texas and um, and Oklahoma start running? I think TCU would be an interesting option. Gary Patterson is getting up there. Oklahoma State with the Mike Gundy issues, he vastly underperformed this year. There's going to be some power five schools calling. I think Malzahn will be highly, highly successful down in Orlando, and I think this was an A plus hire, barring if he can if he can get that offensive line offensive line recruiting better there. And you know, to wrap this up, man, we had to do two storylines in our first ever episode. We're usually going to keep this, you know, these two minute drill episodes around ten minutes to fifteen minutes, but we had a lot to cover, you know, on this first episode because we were trying to get this up and going. So I wanted to cover one last storyline for y'all, and that's Texas, man. They landed a five star quarterback, Malik Murphy. And listen, if there was any question whether Steve Sarkeesian was going to do what what he was going to do at the QB position. They lose Sam Ellinger. They might have a one-year jump. Quinn Ewers seems like he's locked into Ohio State. What was Steve Sarkeesian going to do at the quarterback position, running one of the most explosive offenses in the country? But John Robinson is a long-term answer at running back. They need some wide receiving help, I think, coming down the pipeline. But I, we'll get to that in a second. But Malik Murphy, a top 30 national player in this upcoming class, the second-ranked pro quarterback they reached all the way into california for murphy this has been an issue for the longhorns this national reach is that brand still have that same pool steve sarkeesian is up and running right now in terms of recruiting he checks in at 6'5", 225. He's got a big frame. He's got all the physical tools you want in a quarterback coming out of high school. And his pro comp right now is Jameis Winston, which I really like. He has a similar size, arm strength, stuff like that for Jameis. He really, I don't think he really has the turnover issues and the discipline issues that we saw with Winston, but he has all the – I mean, and say what you want. I, I get it. If you're an NFL fan, you're like, Jameis Winston, okay, Problem. That's problems. Um, if you're a Texas fan, but it's really not. If you look back at Jameis Winston's college career, barring all the discipline issues, this was a highly, highly elite. This is it's a high level guy at the most important position. He wins a national title in 2013, the Heisman Trophy, leads Florida State to back to back playoff appearances. So. 
I mean, in, into a playoff appearance. He won the national championship the year before the playoffs, but he's a projected top uh, top round NFL draft pick, second to third round according to two four seven Sports. It's a little early to project that, but listen. He might not have the stats that pop off the page like Quinn Ewers does, where he's setting Texas high school records or whatever, California high school records. But he it's a huge pickup based strictly off potential. One of Sarkeesian's, uh, I guess, pegs you can hang a hat on is that he can develop quarterbacks. He can develop offensive weapons. And this kid is like having a cookbook for Bobby Flay, man. All the ingredients that you need are written down. All the steps are there. This is a step. You, this is going to be impossible to mess up if you follow the directions step by step. And I think that's what Steve Sarkeesian got here. He got a kid that is ready to thrive in this program, in this system. And he just needs to get there. I mean, listen, guys, say what you want to say. Not every school is got a reality show like Hoover with two a days or is, you know, what is it, Major, Major D or anything like that. I mean, not everybody has a high level football coach to get paid that gets paid millions. You look now in Mobile with Terry Curtis, you know, not all these high schools have high level coaches that can develop players. So, if you have a player with all the potential in the world, all the physical tools he needs, you can clean up some of the stuff that you know might raise a question mark or two. It's just about getting that potential and what can you do with it. Steve Sarkeesian can do this, I think. And you look at Texas as a whole. Let's 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 take a step back and look at just the program in general. You know, Texas has been in a real tough spot or was in a real tough spot before Sam Ellinger. Colt McCoy leaves in 2009 after a national championship run, but then six different starting quarterbacks from 09 to 17, you know, before Sam Ellinger took over midseason. I mean, he wasn't even the starter coming into that year, and he went two and four in those starts. So, Rough start there for Ellinger, but he bounced back, man. He's been the face of this program for what, three years now. This is going to put some pressure on Murphy to come in and be ready to contribute immediately, or or if not, push whoever that eventual starter might be to be better. But when you're a when you're a top thirty five star quarterback out of California coming into Texas under Steve Sarkeesian, you are expected to start immediately. Call it unfair. Call it you know. D- call it whatever you want, but you are supposed to start coming in as a five-star in a school like Texas. You know, right now you look at what Sark's done recruiting and I'm really, really impressed to kind of wrap this show up. He, for his offense, he's done excellent. I mean, you got Jaden Blue, a top 60 recruit, a top five running back in this class as well. That would probably be the heir to whatever Bajan Robinson does. And whenever he decides to leave, which I think will be three years, because that kid could probably play in the NFL right now after just his true freshman year, setting records against K-State this year and really putting on a huge, huge performance. And then you know, you also got Armani Winfield, a top 80 player, a top 15 wide receiver in this class. So these are two top 100 receivers that are really going to make a difference in this class. The question is going to be defensive recruiting. You know, we had Josh Pate on the main podcast and, you know, he said that it's all fine and good to know what play to call on third down. It's all fine and good to be able to run an offense. But can you build a team and build a culture? Texas has had an offense, guys, but... Will they be able to find a defense and field a defense and build a culture that's been missing? You look at Florida State, they got the talent. They just don't have the culture. That's going to be the question with Sarkeesian. He's off to a strong start. 
Jalen um, Gillibu out of Port Arthur, Texas. He's a top 120 recruit, really, really fast, young, athletic DB. I'm excited to see what he can do. But in terms of Sark right now, man, he's doing what he was brought to do. you got to go out and get the players. Texas has not been at the forefront of recruiting in some time now. He's going out there. He's establishing the Longhorn brand, and he's bringing quality players into Texas, into Austin, to really – uh, almost rebuild this program. I mean, Texas hasn't been Texas in a long time, guys. I would say 09 minimum. And th- there's a black stain on that because of what happened with Colt McCoy and, you know, all that and whatever you want to say about that. But I'm looking at Sark. This looks like a grand slam to me. I still stand true. Some people might have doubts about the culture building. I don't think you work under Saban for as long as you do and not be able to build culture. You look at Kirby Smart and what he's done at Georgia, but on the flip side, you have other coaches, you know, Jeremy Pruitt at Tennessee that did opposite. I think Steve Sarkeesian, he's failed once as a head coach. Not really failed, but, you know, not very successful at USC as a head coach. He's learned from that. He went to the Saban Rehabilitation Camp, if you want to call it, and he's gotten better. I'm really, really excited to see what Steve Sarkeesian does from here. And this is already a top 10 class for uh, this next recruiting cycle. It's still early, but Texas is in the running for some major, major recruits, guys. So let's keep an eye on that. But with that, man, this is a wrap on episode one of the two-minute drill, man. You can find it in the exact same spot you always find our podcast, man. We are available literally everywhere, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube, you know, the Blue Blood CFP podcast, the Blue Bloods on YouTube. And if you want to say iHeartRadio, Pandora, Amazon, man, we are available literally everywhere. So we appreciate all y'all listening. We're going to come out these five days a week. They're going to be 10 to 15, maybe 20 minute like they were today episodes. We're going to release them five days a week for you guys, man. But guys, this is a wrap on the episode one of the two minute drill. We have another two minute drill coming out tomorrow since it's five days a week and an interview with 247 own. Corey Smith, NC State Insider. We talk all things NC State football as we continue our ACC in 28 days theme. But right now, guys, we are out.